Nothing like a good old-fashioned ding-dong on strategy. Let's get started. And they are going to win! Pierre Gasly wins the Italian Grand Prix! Three cars going wheel-to-wheel as Perez is caught by Charles Leclerc and his three cars gone off! It's a DNF for MAX! The world championship record is equaled. Lewis Hamilton, seven-time champion of the world! The old doorbell of Formula One strategy there. <laughs> I was thinking more of a sort of fight myself, but hey, it can also be oh, a Oh, I see. A but doorbell. don't don't um don't they go ding ding for like a, a wrestling fight? Ding dong is more like a doorbell, I always thought. But I always thought that ding dong was like a sort of metaphor for a fight, like, oh I'm gonna go out there and, you know, have a good old ding dong with him or, you know, um, <laughs> they had a good old ding dong in the old uh in the old boxing um, ring, I, th- I think I think that's a phrase. I've never heard. I think that. that's a phrase. I gotta go and give him a give him a good ding dong. <laughs> well, yeah, like like if you fight, it's referred to as a ding dong. Is my point? Is it? Does it? Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I'm not. I'm not. I think you're double backing. I think we're, I've got doubt. I've got doubt got about doubt. your phrases. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not Awful. totally convinced on that. Well, this is an excellent way to start the latest episode of F1 in Review, where we're looking back at this year's US Grand Prix. A reminder, we weren't there in 2020 owing to the COVID pandemic, but boy, was it worth its weight uh, in years, in many ways, in gold as well. What did we make of the uh, US Grand Prix, Tristan? I thought it was excellent, and I had my doubts going into mm. the American Grand Prix, because it, it can be a bit meh. it can be a bit rubbish at times, but perhaps that's just because we haven't had a proper championship battle before um, and mm. not really in recent memory anyway. For me, the standout thing about it was just I was on the edge of my seat the entire time because it yep. was strategy versus strategy, Red Bull versus Mercedes. And Mercedes tried to do the thing that they've done so successfully in this season so far which is allow Red Bull to pit first, hold mm. Hamilton out, mm. pit him, and then get the chase. And this time, it didn't work. There was 0.9 of a second in it between Hamilton and Verstappen when he crossed the line. And funnily enough, it might have worked for Mercedes better if mm-hmm. they hadn't have pitted Hamilton later on. They actually pitted him to be to to begin with but for me we were, it was just an absolutely fantastic race it was so so competitive throughout the field we had fights between alonso and it seems like every other driver we had <laughs> the b- battles between mclaren and ferrari and we mm. had the fight at the front between verstappen and hamilton so it was it was one of those races where they kept putting like the picture in picture on the screen because yep. you were like well i, I, I kind of want to follow who who Alonso is going to try and take out next but I also want to see whether or not Hamilton's got past Verstappen yeah 100% I thought it was really good as well and I did go into this with doubts because you know looking back to the last few US Grand Prix they've not really stood out on the calendar as being classics but I think what really helped this Grand Prix was the uh, sort of tire degradation that always happens and the fact that you have to pit uh, twice, contrary to uh, the few last Grand Prix we've seen, especially at Turkey. You know, 
There couldn't be a situation where Hamilton or Verstappen tried to do a one-pit strategy and, you know, just get it purely on the fact they hadn't uh, gone for two pit stops. And, yeah, I think me along with everybody else watching, when uh, Max Verstappen decided to pit for a second time on lap 30, leaving 26 laps uh, to go, I thought, hmm... That's a bit too early. But then again, I was surprised when Lewis Hamilton waited a cool eight laps to then go, oh, okay, now it's my turn to pit because ultimately that gave him only 18 laps then to catch Verstappen, which, as the old cliche goes, it's one thing to catch, but another thing to overtake. Yeah. And particularly when you consider that, um, yes, there was traffic uh, between um, Lewis Hamilton and you know uh, Max Verstappen insofar that you know there was that holding them up and therefore reducing the gap between them uh, for Lewis. But, um, but how far would that go? Would that be able to cut down the eight-second gap that was between them? And ultimately, we saw that Verstappen played a blinder. He, in many ways lured Hamilton into a trap of thinking I can get him I'm getting closer and closer and closer yeah. manages tyres so well and then blasted off even if it was for uh, Mick Schumacher perhaps um, keeping us right on the edge of our seats until the very last moment or so so I think because this race was so dramatic I think we need to divide it into like portions of things we can we need to talk about so mm-hmm. I would like to I would like to segue from your discussion about how Hamilton nearly caught Verstappen Yes, and I want to first of all talk about the back marker incident because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you, if you weren't watching the race, as you might have gathered now, Verstappen won. <laughs> and, yeah, spoilers. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and Hamilton was six seconds behind Verstappen as Verstappen was catching a group of back markers that included Mick Schumacher, mm-hmm. and when he was trying to get past, first of all, Kimi Räikkönen and then Mick Schumacher, they failed to get out of the way particularly quickly. By the time we got out of that, Hamilton was a mere two seconds behind Verstappen. They basically lost him four seconds or thereabouts in that instant by holding him up. In fact, Kimi Raikkonen ended up getting the black and white flag because of his, his inability to get out of the way and see blue lights. And for me... It was so frustrating because I don't actually care whether or not Verstappen or Hamilton wins. You know, I was yep. rooting for um, Norris and Ricardo, but <laughs> I wanted to see this happen naturally. I didn't want yeah. uh, the backmarkers to get in the way. And I felt this time they really did impact the um, the, the race at the front. So I'd, what what can be done, Tom, about this problem where we do have these, you know, these moments like this, which, which you know, knocked four seconds off of Verstappen's lead. Well, I think that is really the sort of golden ticket answer if anyone can come up with it. I think realistically, looking at the uh, US Grand Prix, the circuit in of itself in Austin, I think it's somehow unavoidable that there's going to be uh, the hold-up of the leader when it comes to traffic because there's so many twisty-turny corners where ultimately the cars can't you know, disappear. As, um, as Mick Schumacher said, you know, there's not a lot he could have done in his point of view to just dive out the way because, you know, he can't just bin it off one side of the circuit and then, you know, ruin his race, ruin his chassis and then resulting in, you know, damage for Haas. He's got to go and keep it on the track. And with the track being so slim, and as I say, with there being so few straights, um, it's quite difficult to get out of the way. I don't want to get into a scenario, I don't think, where... um, 
uh, cars see uh, yellow, um, see blue flags, and then immediately just dive out the way like sort of rabbits in the headlight type thing. But I think, you know, there needs to be, I don't know, less warnings for backmarkers when they do clearly disobey uh, blue flags because in an ideal world of course you're going to go and have the backmarkers going oh there's a blue flag let me just sort of you know pull over or slow down slightly not to hinder my own race but then also of course not to go and hinder the ultimate race results of you know who's going to win it um but there's the danger as well that when you've got such a feisty sort of uh, battle going on between, you know, your Raikkonen's, your Alonso's and your Giovinazzi's, as we saw uh, in this Grand Prix, that if they're close to one another, be it a second or level or someone's catching another, they're going to be really sort of despondent or unwilling to go, oh, there's blue flags, let me just go and uh, botch this overtake or you know um, get rid of the advantage that I did have over this teammate or the one I was getting on them or the the car in front of them shall we say if they're chasing yeah so that is a real big question but the only thing I can think of is less warnings and then severe punishments because if there's not severe more severe punishments than there currently are then you're going to be see uh, various backmarkers as we saw with Mazepin in previous races as we've seen uh, to some extent with Mick Schumacher and as we've seen with Kimi Raikkonen getting that uh, black and white flank they're going to start taking the mickey and pushing the boundaries and I don't think we've seen in recent memory backmarkers and the traffic decide races but as I say, at a circuit like the US, it's distinctly possible that could happen moving forwards. It's funny you should say that, Tom, because when I was watching it and watching Verstappen try to get past the back markers, I had these horrendous flashbacks to Brazil in 2018 when Verstappen uh, was taken out by Ocon. And yep. the same sort of problem happened there where Ocon said, well, I couldn't really get out of the way. And you know, it's, it's, it's a high-speed area, and I was just trying to keep up pace. Ended up taking out Verstappen, which was... I mean, I, I, it was utterly unforgivable, mostly mm. because Ocon had no one around him at the time. And so yes. I was looking at what was going on and thinking, look, if, you t- if one of you takes out Hamilton and Verstappen, this is going to all kick off. And trust me, you don't want to see Verstappen <laughs> or Hamilton's fans uh, coming for you at the moment. It seems like everyone's got their pitchforks extra sharp at the moment. <laughs> but I, I was I was thinking to myself, I feel like we're in a bit of limbo land when it comes to blue flags. Okay. Because what we basically say to drivers is get out the way, but if you're having a race, don't don't give up the place behind you. And so if you're, let's say it was, for argument's sake, let's say it was Alonso and Raikkonen and Alonso had to get out of the way for Verstappen. This didn't actually happen, but um, <laughs> if, if Alonso slows down under blue flags to let Verstappen go past, then right up Verstappen's tail is going to be Raikkonen going, thank you very much. Thank you for yep. slowing down. Here I go. So yep, I was yep. I was wondering, I was thinking to myself, and I'm kind of wondering whether or not we can implement a, a system, and I think this is the solution, uh, it's a very extreme solution, but it isn't any solution, um, where you're not allowed to overtake under blue flags. You're, as in, okay, you're yeah, not allowed yeah. to un, uh, to overtake the person in front of you, you know, whoever you're racing, whilst you're being lapped. So what that basically does is it it is it does neutralize the the race 
for mm-hmm. a brief moment. But what it effectively means is if you are if you have someone right behind you, then under the blue flags you can both slow down a sec, let them pass. So I was I was wondering whether or not you thought that were, might be a good idea because the alternative option is you just implement what they have in other motorsports when you just make the the the, the people trying to lap fight with the people mm. who are um, being lapped. Yeah, I think we want to avoid at all costs a repeat of Brazil where it was uh, Verstappen versus Ocon, as you say, because nobody wins there. Obviously, Verstappen doesn't win if he's um, being tanked into, obviously. But then again, the sport doesn't win. And, you know, you have reputational damage for drivers and also for teams. And as I say, it leaves a very sort of bitter taste in the mouth. I do like what you're saying about the sort of blue flags and neutralizing the race. My only sort of... I suppose logistical question and query would be how that was instigated uh, insofar that um you know we've seen in the past there's been disputes regarding whether somebody was speeding under the uh, yellow flag conditions or virtual safety car or whether they'd seen uh, this type sort of um, letter or colour flash up which instructed them to either let's say return to the pit stop or return to the pit sorry in a sort of a red flag condition or um, to slow down in a virtual safety car condition so my only question and query would be how that would be implemented so we get away from that sort of grey area and avoidance of doubt. Uh, so it's crystal clear either way um, w- whether somebody has violated the rules and the new blue flag conditions. But um, as a premise, I think it works quite well, to be fair. It, it seems to be a very fair solution um, because, yeah, it, neut- it, neut- it neutralizes the race. And um, then again, you know, everyone can get on with the uh, the battle they're having once, um, I suppose, the two paths of ultimately two different races cross. Yeah, because it doesn't happen that often, right? In a, in a race, you might get lapped once. Yeah. So, uh, and it, you don't get lapped continuously unless you're Mazepin. And True. by the way, <laughs> shout out to Mazepin, who was so far behind Mick Schumacher that when Fernando Alonso retired at the end of the race, they actually had Alonso in 19th place because Mazepin <laughs> had yet to catch him. Right. I mean, that was incredible. Which was amazing. He was a full. He was over a minute behind uh, Mick. Uh, <laughs> Mick. So um, anyway, but yes, I, I just think a system like that might well work because you might say, well, hold on a minute. You know, Tom, as you said, well, what about how, mm. how do you sort of judge this? Well, the thing is, the way it would work is it would for any driver that wasn't immediately having a battle. It just means that they're not allowed to fight back with the person that's much faster, right? Normal sort of blue flag conditions. Mm-hmm. But what it what it means is if there are two or three drivers right next to each other as the front markers trying to come through, um, then what you effectively do is you prevent the person at the back gaining an advantage as the person at the front or the people in the front have to slow down to let the um, the race leader through because all three of them would be under blue flag conditions. To be clear, they don't have to slow down they just aren't mm. allowed to overtake. So effectively, the okay. person at the front sets the pace. Right. And right. and so, yeah, for, for for maybe, you know, 10 seconds, they aren't allowed to, you know, allowed to fight. And as soon as the, the, the blue flags go off, that's it. Normal. So, yeah, I, that was just one thought I had. It'll be interesting, um, listeners, to, to hear what you think about this and just to consider how you might go about fixing this because it, is, it was a real pain to see that, you know, there might be some influence from from 
well, fights that weren't really any of Verstappen or Hamilton's business because they were so far ahead. So mm-hmm. we we move, I think, from the, the that's the first annoyance I had, I suppose, with, with the um the backmarkers to the cause of that sort of scenario, which was Hamilton pitting later than Mercedes, uh, later with Mercedes and Verstappen sort of getting that undercut. Do you think it was the right move, Tom, keeping Hamilton? out for longer i don't think so no i mean it's easy for me to say no it's an awful decision because you didn't catch verstappen but i've always been of the opinion where if conditions are suited i.e it's dry and not going to rain you should always um pit either the lap or the lap after of the teammates or indeed the uh, driver that you're trying to overtake um for first place i mean i'm sure that's the case moving down the grid as well because i think there's always a danger that if you stay out too long you not only then limit the number of laps you have to go and sort of seek your advantage on your teammate if that makes sense i.e hamilton only had you know 18 laps to make good on his new tires uh, but then again, it sort of puts you out of sync with whoever you're fighting with because then there's no sort of clarity regarding where you are versus them, i.e., you know, they've had their pit stop, so you may be ahead, but then again, you've got to go and make sure there's a significant advantage of, let's say, 20, 25 seconds to make sure you're actually in front of things. So I think, in terms of just a simplicity angle, it's always helpful to go and pit shortly after the person uh, that you're fighting. And I think really that um, Mercedes do. Doing that and only giving him 18 laps on this circuit was, I don't know, I think it was ambitious. I think maybe rewinding a few years back, uh, they would have comfortably been able to um, uh, overtake uh, Max Verstappen and Red Bull um, because of the, the pace difference they had in the superior car they had previously. But of course, add into the mix not only a faster car, a better Max Verstappen, but also uh, a Perez, which I think, you know, he was very much in a league of his own, i.e. not battling with the front two, but he was still a sort of element uh, when it came to the strategy and thinking uh, of Mercedes, uh, because it was a, a very rare scenario where we had two Red Bulls versus one Mercedes, when it's normally the other way around. So that was a factor in the thinking, but um, I think eight laps was a bit too much, and um, I thought, yeah, they probably should have tried to match um, uh, Max Verstappen when they um, when yeah. he went in. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I kind of saw what Mercedes was trying to do. And as you say, in any of the previous seasons since 2015, they probably would have aced it. However, I think it all fell down for Mercedes when they allowed Verstappen to do the catching of Hamilton. Because it was mm. clear from from where I was sitting, and perhaps this was just, you know beginner's luck guessing and and going against the the grade of mercedes um but i was i was saying at the time verstappen's catching hamilton and at the end of it he'd actually taken Mm. four seconds out of hamilton's time hamilton's lead so when hamilton was trying to get around as fast he could he was effectively just extending the the aggregated leads that Verstappen would have when Hamilton eventually came into pit. And so I don't think Mm -hmm. Mercedes necessarily calculated that they would get eaten into, their time would get eaten into so quickly, which is why they ended up, if you remember, they said um, target plus six. 
So um, I, I, I guessed actually correctly that that was going to be lap uh, 48. And, and it was. But then they were trying to do plus seven. They were actually trying to extend Hamilton for longer. I think they realised as well that Verstappen was eating into this time much, much quicker. And mm. Perez as well. I think Red Bull played Perez quite nicely as well. He, he by the way, big shout out to Perez. He had a horrendous yeah. weekend. I, I'm surprised he even made it to the end. Um, that's a story in on itself listeners if you if you just go read about what Perez was up to this weekend <laughs> um yes but the man was doing a brilliant job of, of shadowing Verstappen and basically Red Bull put Perez there as a threat saying look yep. we've got this guy catching up as well you know he might catch up with you if something goes really wrong and I just think I think Mercedes got played a bit I think they were too sure that Verstappen's tyres were going to fall off the cliff. And as you say, Tom, 18 laps to to make up about 20 seconds, you know, it was just too much. I mean, at least we forget that four seconds were taken off because of that back marker incident. Yeah. So yeah. given that there was 0.9 seconds at the end, and given what we now know about what Verstappen would hit as he was trying to run as fast as he could away from Hamilton if they hadn't have let Hamilton stay out there for and, and lose those couple of seconds then Hamilton would have caught him much much earlier um probably two laps earlier and then it really would have been the whole you know we think this is going to happen in the last three laps sort of scenario that Mercedes predicted so I think mm-hmm. I think they did make the mistake of keeping him out for for, for too long and you could see by Verstappen's pace that he was kind of saving his tires. I mean, he even got into yeah, the radio and they said, they said, you know, look after your back tires. So he was kind of coasting. He was setting personal bests by the very end. So I think Verstappen did a fantastic job of just keeping the Mercedes um, of, of Hamilton just behind him. And, you know, that's all he needed to do. It's one thing, as you say, Tom, to catch. It's completely another overtake and he just couldn't do it and I think what was so impressive about this Max Verstappen win and the Red Bull win in of of itself is because yes there were two of them in the top three which is quite rare for this uh, season indeed for the last five when it comes to Red Bull but when you consider as well that Hamilton overtook Max Verstappen going into the first corner or just after and then you know we've seen historically with Red Bull as soon as they lose the lead it goes to panic stations, um, you know, this sort of alarm started going off and they perhaps then, you know, have the tendency to lose their head or to uh, go too quickly when it comes to pit stops or to um, put too much pressure on the drivers or the drivers put too much pressure on the tyres and therefore they don't last as long as they ideally would do. But we saw a rather sort of calm and collected Red Bull this time where they were like, oh, OK, Hamilton's overtaken us, which, you know, I've never understood on a separate note why if you're in P1, you have to go and take the outside line going into the first corner, unless, of course, you've had an absolute rocket start. Well, for the US, it's quite important because mm. you start on the racing line, if that makes sense. Yes, so yeah, you get yeah, the advantage yeah. of the rubber. But yeah, I get I get what you mean. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, 
And then you saw them uh, pit Max Verstappen secondly uh, very early on lap 30 with um, 26 laps to go. Yeah. And there were many people saying with them, um, if you're watching it on Sky anyway, saying, uh, Christian, that's a bit early, isn't it? Do you think that's a, a wise strategy? Why have you done that? You've um, given him so much work to do and yeah, he's got to preserve the tyres for so long. Are you confident? Have you made the wrong decision? Sort of hinting at that. And they very much went, Oh no, I, I think actually we're doing fine. Which, um, when you consider that it is all planned out for them to pit at that stage, almost sort of uh, lulling Mercedes into a, a false sense of security of thinking, well, we're fine for another few laps, um, so we can go and pit later. But then Verstappen managing his tyres so expertly, uh, and ultimately um, as well uh, lulling Hamilton into that false sense of security by, as you say, coasting and then powering away. It was a very sort of mature and sensible uh, Red Bull performance. And I really do feel this is a sort of sliding doors moment for the entirety of this this championship when it comes to the drivers, at least, because it was such a well-executed opportunity. And when you consider that Verstappen's had opportunities in the past and they've not worked out in, be it sort of Baku, Silverstone, or indeed in Monza, this was one they really did need to hammer home their advantage. And despite the sort of setbacks, I suppose, they had, they didn't digress from their their game plan, from their, I suppose, philosophy of how they were going to run this race. So, um, plaudits to Red Bull for that. Yeah, and actually, I really like Christian Horner on the radio because some of the other team principles like, are are, um, are less interesting. When, like, for example, when Otmar Safna was on there, um, mm-hmm. And they just sort of never really give anything away. I couldn't imagine Toto Wolf on the on the on the radio. And of course, no. it's bizarre because they do the same role. But it's like it's like halfway through, Christian's like, "Oh, sorry, chaps, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do something else for a couple of minutes there." <laughs> oh, yeah. Hi, Sky. You know, you never hear um you never hear the Mercedes crew on there because they've got you know they've got better things to be doing than talking to or a... Ferrari actually. <laughs> No, yeah. Ferrari don't either, and it's it's because they're too good for them. It's too good to, to let us m- mere mortals. The only time we ever hear them is when they're um, moaning at Michael Massey, um, which I'm yes. sure we'll come to um, <laughs> later on. But no, Christian sounded like he he knew something we didn't, and it and you're right. Often, once the Red Bull gets overtaken, it, it sort of just falls away, and Red Bull, ah, no, how are we going to catch up? And actually, I I kind of think they went right. Will just overtake him through the pit stops, mm. and and they kind of did it. And I suppose yeah. if you have that much data, you kind of know how the the tires are going to fall off. And they were they they um the tires they were running on the hard tires were were running far below the threshold which Pirelli said they would last. So again, another one of those things that you know they yes he was kind of pushing them, but Pirelli was saying they could last over thirty laps. So. Mm. There, you know, it wasn't like they'd put Verstappen onto the soft tire. I had to keep reminding myself that actually he's not on the soft, he's not on the medium, he's on the hards, and the hards can go for much longer. And yes. so I think they were, they, you know, the the strategy was was just excellent. And I'm, I'm, it's a shame, I suppose, for for Mercedes. They they really did do their utmost to try and do something different and. Thank goodness they did, because if they had, I suppose, Tom, just, mm. you know, mirrored what Red Bull were doing, then it might not have been interesting. Although that completely undermines what I was saying earlier about how we might have overtaken at the end. I still stand by that. But, you know, it was, as I say, 
battle of the strategies. It was fantastic. And if you haven't watched the Grand Prix, there is so much more in it that we have just not got time this week to talk about. And I'd 100% yes. recommend you go watch it. All the highlights. We were saying on our F1 chat that this is going to be one of the iconic races, I think, of the year. And is is up there with one of the you know top races I've seen. It was just the racing prowess was excellent. I did truly believe we were sitting there watching something very, very special. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there thinking, you know, after this, we've got five races to go and then the season ends and we're no clearer to knowing, you know, who's going to be taking uh, the Drivers' Championship this year because it's so close. You know, there's only 12 points, I believe, between Max and Lewis. And that's the largest gap it's been um, at any stage of the competition. So it's just remarkable to think that, you know, another performance like this for Lewis, i.e. he wins the race and then Verstappen uh, comes second, so he's sort of twisting that round. And then it's level again, so it really is sort of every uh, race to play for, I suppose, and it's so exciting to see. I can't predict it. I know that you, Tom, are, are already starting to, to hedge your bets for the outcome of this. Um, yes. Are you going to jump in there early? Actually, yeah, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to. It's going to be very close. Um, As I say, there are five races to go, but I feel that this win for Verstappen, the confidence shown by him and the team, means that he will win the championship over Lewis Hamilton. Putting putting the words out there for all to hear. Yep, we'll find out how well that one ages. But we have, we are, next up is the triple header. And Mexico and Brazil are red bull favoring tracks but after that we head to the desert and you know who knows i think i can't call it tom we've got any dnfs from either of them any you know the yeah. penalty of even a fourth place finish yep. and that that could be curtains i just i can't i can't predict how it's going to go and it's such a change from when we were predicting how this season was going to was going to pan out and so yep. I, I'm not I'm not as confident as you, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we can finally see a big championship fight in the turbo hybrid era that isn't between two people in the same team come down yes. to the last race? That would be magical. And I think it will, but I want like I want the difference between first and second. I don't want any like it would be, I'd be sad if it was, let's say, Hamilton winning and he just needs to, to get fourth or fifth place. Yep. I want it to be one, two. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I was thinking about the, the Brazil Grand Prix back in 2011 when we yeah. had it, it was just sort of that, that massive three way fight. And, mm-hmm. and I, I want to see that again. So fingers crossed for that. But this is going to be one hell of a season. And I can't wait to rewatch all of it on Drive to Survive. With their different flavour that they might inject into the... Without Verstappen, of course. He's ruled himself out of being a part of the uh, latest series. Yes, yes, he has. I, yeah, it was interesting. interesting. Re- Rebe- rebellion from inside. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to go and uh, play that storyline between, you know, the young rookie and the age-old world champion if one of them's decided, nah, don't fancy it, mate. Well, <laughs> what, what they're going to do is that instead they're going to get Alex Albon to recreate the races each time. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> never forget <laughs> that was good that was good 
And so ends another episode of F1 in Review. Thank you very much once again listening all the way to the end where we looked back at the 2021 US Grand Prix and after that huge wait we had from missing it last year, it certainly was worth its wait in golden indeed in its years as well. Max Verstappen winning that, but boy was it close and boy was it won in the pit lane rather than on the actual sort of circuit itself. But moving forwards to this week, this weekend there's no racing we're gonna to have to wait all the way until the 5th of november where the mexican grand prix starts on the friday and then after that we're going to brazil straight after uh, that grand prix the following weekend so all i'm saying is if there's one moment to start watching formula one it very much is uh, the 5th of november onwards but hopefully next episode we'll be back talking about exciting interesting and important topics such as maybe that Alfa Romeo seat but um I've said that before haven't I until next time thank you very much for listening